Welcome back to our worship service and to those who are watching online, welcome also. Um, for those who are watching online, I encourage you then, brace yourselves and get ready to come back to church. There's nothing like worshipping together. Online may be safe and, and convenient, but um, well, depending on what the government says when things are open, I encourage you to come back and we will worship together. I want to make a little pitch also about our website. Uh, we are improving on our website, but for now, um, just a bit of improvement. If you get to the website under new events, that's where all the church announcements are, what you saw there, the VUCA announcement, if you want to sign up, the Tan Siang Yang um, sessions, all these will be found on the new events in the Agape website. Uh, the other one is discipleship website, uh, if you did not know that, we have uh, devotionals that are written by our church staff and leaders. Um, and these may be helpful to you as well as some causes and articles. So these are the ones that have been changing. Uh, the others are still static and we are, it's work in progress. We are working on it. So don't look at it at the moment because you'll be disappointed. Uh, because every week you look for a change and there's no change. But uh, it will be changing. But for these two, new events and discipleship, there are weekly changes, so take a look at that. Um, the prayer um, needs is also in the new events. Uh, there's a link also that makes it easier for you to get into it. Just a very short pitch about Dr. Tan Xiang Yang as well. Um, he is really a good speaker. About four years ago, I invited him to... Uh, Barker Road Church Camp as well as to speak at the, uh, on the pulpit. Um, he was very, very well received. Uh, he's a great communicator. The subsequent two years, we got him to run seminars. There was life about family, uh, parenting, marriage, um, work, work health and all that. Um, and he is good both with lay people who have no training in counselling as well as, of course, he trains professional counsellors as well. But because of his ability to communicate, he's able to teach difficult skills to those who have no background in counselling. So it's helpful uh, if you want to help your neighbours, help your small group. Um, it will be good for you. Okay, now let's turn to our Bible passage. Um, it will be from Acts chapter 14. Now read from verse 1 to 23. Acts chapter, I know it's written there 1 to 28, that's the whole chapter, but I decided to cut it short a little, and it will be from verse 1 to 23. Let us pray. Father, speak your word to us. Place that word not only in our minds, but deep into our hearts as well, that, that those who are weary may be able to lift their legs and stand up and rise up once again to persevere, know that you are with them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 14, verse 1. Now Iconium entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly, for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by the hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. 
when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Laconia, and to the surrounding country, and there they continued to preach the gospel. Now at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul, looking intensely at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lycaonian, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. And the priests of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore the garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways, yet he did not leave them without a witness. For he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had reached, preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they believed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There is a myth about Christian service that if you are doing God's work, things will go smoothly. And often that, that myth is very pervasive. We always, I remember when I went full-time and they said, wow, you must be having all of God's anointing. It must be easy for you. And it's often that way when we serve God, whether in a full-time capacity, when we offer our lives to God in an office, when you go to an office and we say, God, let me be your instrument, and we be, somehow inside us we think that if you are in God's will, things will work perfectly. Or conversely, then, if you are not in God's will, you would do, things would go terribly wrong. What we see today is just the opposite, and that really dispels that myth that when you are in God's will, everything will go right. Well, it started right. And before I do that, can I have the map of uh, the slide? on? Okay. Just to show you for some perspective before I go on with the uh, preaching. Uh, at the far right, you follow the red, red line. The far right, that is Antioch. There are two Antiochs actually, one on the northwest and one on the southeast. Now, for this purpose, we are only talking about the Antioch on the north, the northwest, that's on, the, on your left, top left-hand corner. Now, that's Antioch. 
Below that is Iconium, Lystra, and Derby. The disciples were preaching, Paul and Barnabas were preaching at Iconium. That's the second, uh, from the top, the second little space. And there, there was persecution. They rushed down to Lystra. In Lystra, they preached and they were uh, worshipped by the people. It was a very pagan place. Obviously, there was no synagogue and so there were very few Jews, um, largely idol worship. But there, the uh, priest of Zeus wanted to honour them and call them gods. But then people from Antioch and Iconium came down and spoke lies about them and they fled to Derby. But at Derby, after they had settled things, they went back to Lystra, Iconium. And that's where this, all of this action took place. They're pretty close together. Uh, between Lystra and Iconium, it's about 20 miles. Uh, between Lystra and Derby, it's about 60 miles. Um, and so they are quite neighbouring cities. Now this is where all this story revolves. And so Paul was at Iconium. Paul and Barnabas were at Iconium, preaching at the Jewish synagogue. And there was great success. They spoke in such a way that great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. So initially, lots of people believed whether they were Jewish. They were all, they were, actually the Greeks were Jews as well because they were in the synagogues. So obviously, they were uh, converts from Gentiles to Jews. Uh, but they were not pure Jews. They were actually Greeks who became, followed the Jewish traditions and the religion. And there were many uh, converts but in verse 2, it says that the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds. Basically, the unbelievers began telling lies about Paul and Barnabas. Lies are something that is very, very pernicious. In a sense, you cannot tell where the source is. You cannot tell where the lies have gone. People don't confront you when a lie is being told. They don't come to you and say, hey, I heard this. Very often, they just spread around and nobody knows. I remember a good friend of mine telling me that when she was young in, I think, secondary one, she was very popular and had lots of friends. And then after the June holidays, suddenly overnight, all her friends abandoned her, not only abandoned her, but ignored her, turned their backs on her, refused to talk to her, treated her very rudely. She couldn't figure out why. She didn't know where the source of it was. She didn't know why they were angry because no one wanted to tell her anything. But the more she tried to be friendly, the more people left her. It was only several years later that she found out that one person had spread lies about her and that spread like wildfire. It was a frightening thing. And I think some of you may have experienced that also in your homes, in offices, at work, in church where you discover that a lie has been told, but you don't know where the lie comes from and where it's going. It's almost like a field that has been poisoned. And you don't know where the poison is. It could be in this patch, it could be in that patch, or it could be the whole field and you don't know what to do. And it's frustrating. I say it could happen in a home too, because there are homes where husbands and wives are not getting along and one lies to the, to the children about you and another tells other lies. And somehow it's the most frustrating thing because you are tempted to give up altogether. What's the use of continuing to do work like that when you don't know where it is, when you don't know how poisoned the field is? The whole field may be poisoned. You don't know. 
And it's tempting often in such times to just give up and move on. But what did Paul and Barnabas do? In verse 3 it says, So they remained for a long time. Imagine lies being spread about them, people talking all sorts of things about them, poisoning um, a very toxic environment. And instead of leaving that place and saying, I give up, Paul and Barnabas stayed there a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. These two apostles persevered despite all that had happened. And this is what we are called to do also. You may be in a very toxic uh, work environment where you know that your reputation may have been solid. You, people may have spoken lies about you, passed rumours about you, and it's been a difficult job. If the Lord has called you into this service, if the Lord, at the beginning, the Lord has spoken to you and said, minister in this place, then persevere. Because the ones who really follow the Lord, the Lord will also work mighty wonders in your life. I have worked with single mothers whose ex-husbands have spoken many, many lies to their children about them. And often they have been tempted to give up and say, I don't know what to do with my children. They have been so lied to that they wouldn't even respond to me. One of the hardest things to do is to persevere. But if we were just to believe in God and to keep loving, keep toiling, keep doing that work, God in His ways will work mighty things through you. I think many of you may have experienced that at work as well, where you have colleagues, even a boss who passes rumours about you, who tells terrible lies about you. But if you believe that God has called you to be a witness there, stay on and boldly serve, because you don't know where the poison is and where the good ground is. And then it says, the work of the Lord prospered. Wonders were done by their hands. And then the people of the city were divided, some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. As they toiled, they knew that they were losing the battle in some places. Some would follow the lies and listen to the lies. But there would be others who would listen and be ministered to by you. If you've been called into the service of God, in whatever place, whether in church or at work or at home, persevere because those who persevere doesn't mean their paths will be straight, the paths will be smooth. It may be very difficult indeed, but God is there for you. But at the end of the day, they had to flee. In verse 6, they, were, they found out that there was a threat against their lives. And it wasn't just by a few people, it was by the Gentiles, the Jews, and their rulers. So the leadership, the leaders of that city were a part of it too. At the end of the day, they had to flee for their lives. And then they went to Lystra. Lystra was a very pagan place. It was completely God-forsaken for that matter. There were no uh, synagogues. 
Rather, at the temple gate, at the gate of the city, was the temple. But there they ministered. And God did signs and wonders. A man who had been crippled, born crippled, was healed and he started to walk. Let me tell you something too about your ministry at your workplace. Sometimes the first thing we look out for when we go is, got Christian or not? Got Christian fellowship or not? We, we cling we, to Christian fellowship. We look, wow, this workplace, I don't know, got any Christian or not? And sometimes we feel then that we enter into a God-forsaken place, whether it's a God-forsaken school or a God-forsaken workplace, and very toxic indeed. But it's often in those places that God has sent you into. I remember as I worked in the, as a lawyer, the office was extremely, extremely toxic. The boss was toxic, the staff were toxic. And often I wondered whether there was a purpose in even being there. And yet, God does not accidentally send you or randomly send you to places. God sends you there that you might be a witness through your love, sometimes with miracles as well. Go with the confidence of God. And the work of the disciples prospered. But then a more dangerous threat took place. The people of Lystra saw the miracles that Paul and Barnabas were performing and they thought that Paul and Barnabas were gods and they came and worshipped and sacrificed and made Paul and Silas, lifted them up, put them on a platform, a pedestal, and worshipped them. The danger of ministry, of fame and fortune, is even greater than persecution. We thought that persecution was a terrible thing when they had trouble, but often the worst obstacle to ministry is fame and fortune. I looked through many of the Christian organizations and churches that once prospered and are now devastated. One of my closest friends, uh, he spoke at this church, Darren Tan. He was my youth leader. I was about more than 10 years older, but he was my right-hand man among the youth. And one day he left for City Harvest Church. And when he went there, I was so impressed. I really believed that City Harvest was a powerful church because they only had two things, love God, love people. And they were driven, led by that vision to love God and love people. And in the early days, they really did that. It was of a purity of heart. But over the years, when money, when popularity, when fame took over, the entire atmosphere of the church changed. I'm sure it was the same with Bill Hybels, was the same with Ravi Zacharias. They all began as powerful, wonderful, God-inspired ministries. But over time, changes took place in their hearts. I resonate very much with that. I remember when I first was posted to prison fellowship, I was on my knees almost all the time asking God, God, what would be a great place? What would be a good thing to do? to help these prisoners. And God inspired a lot, a lot of new ideas. And we did a lot of innovative things, a lot of changes that even impressed the prison. The prison were looking at us in awe. 
things that they could learn from us. But as I sit, look back now and reflect, I realise that at some point there was a change in attitude. That from an attitude of saying, God, what will you lead me to do for these prisoners? It became, what will I do that will put us on the cutting edge? What will I do that will make us ahead of the competition? What would I do that would put us in the map where we will be better known? It was a very subtle change, and yet the change was very definite. That from a point of saying, God, this is for you, it became a point where it says, well, what more can I do to make things better for myself? And this change is very dangerous. And I believe that often it comes with each of you too. Many of you may have joined a profession, your business, whether it's teaching or banking or whatever profession you are in. And when you began as a young fledgling, you said to God, God, use me, I'm totally available to you. Use me as a witness. Use me as you will. But over time, the attitude begins to change. How do I get promoted? How do I beat the competition? How do I push the others who are coming ahead of me or overtaking me? How do I push them aside? How do I push myself above all and get greater recognition and prominence? And so often I've seen that happen with very fervent Christians, starting with a pure heart, wanting to do only God's will, and then changing into ambitious, almost vicious people, wanting to go ahead of others. You know, it's true even for us as parents with our children. Many of us, when our children were born and we offered them to God and we said, God, this is yours for your purpose, for everything, your grace, to grow in your grace. But along the way, when grades were more important, when pressures of success were greater, somehow our direction began to change and we, we keep looking at, well, what would it be if my child did well in school? What would it be if we pushed our child further and further and faster and faster? And after a while, it's no longer my child as God's, as someone dedicated to God, but it comes my child for His glory and for my glory. And then, often, we lose the vision altogether. The temptation of fame and fortune is a very great one for all of us. Paul and Barnabas were worshipped in a sense. They were elevated. They were tempted to receive honours and money and worship for their abilities. But what did Paul and Barnabas do? They ripped their clothes, they shouted, they said, no way. It was a very strong repudiation of what the people wanted to give them. And often it calls for violent repudiation of what people, the temptation that may come to you. Paul and Barnabas said, there's no way you can worship us. We are nothing like that. And often then it takes a lot of courage to say, I don't want this either anymore because it's not good for me. I remember reading the biography, a story of uh, Tan Lai Yong. Some of you may be familiar with him. He was a doctor who 
went to China as a missionary. And there he not only cared as a, served as a doctor, but he trained many, many doctors over there. He also cared for the general well health of the people. He did so much that he was very decorated. The Chinese government were honouring him, a missionary, a foreign missionary in their country, and the government was honouring him. Lots of accolades, and then he left China and came back to Singapore. And the reason he gave was this, that the recognition that I was receiving was bad for my soul. All that attention, being treated as a VIP, was bad for my soul. Gil was a man who knew exactly what was good and what was bad and refused to allow fame and accolades to drive him. He wanted to continue to serve God. And so it was for Paul and Barnabas that when they were worshipped, they tore their clothes and said nothing of that sort. And yet even as they did that, they were very gracious as they spoke with them. We will notice that Paul and Barnabas preached the gospel very differently to the Gentiles as when they preached to the Jews. Sometimes we talk to Gentiles, to non-believers, like, like they are condemned to death, condemned to hell. We sometimes we have learned at times that we just tell them your religion is bad, you are worshipping the devil and all sorts of things. Paul did none of that. They were worshipping him. They were worshipping Hermes, Zeus, all the Greek gods. Very pagan worship. But Paul and Barnabas' address to them was very gracious. He told them, you let me introduce you to the living God who loves you, who has always been taking care of you. He did not tear down their religion. Rather, he started with what they were believing in, what their aspirations were, and then... He told them that this, you can, let me introduce you to the true and living God. But now, the third part then. People from Antioch and Iconium. Iconium was a place where they had started lying about Paul and Barnabas in the first place. Came down to Lystra and then they spread lies again. And this time it became more violent. They stoned Paul, verse 19, and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. And then Paul wasn't dead. He rose up, entered the city, went on to Derby. And then, after he had preached in Derby, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch. What a crazy thing to do. After being stoned, after being threatened with life, and it wasn't just them, it was the leaders, the rulers of the city, the Gentiles and the Jews were all after them these two men went back to these same cities to continue to preach the gospel. What was it about them? They had a sense of mission. The mission was to start a church in Lystra, in Iconium, in Derby, And they wanted to keep at it. Now, it takes a lot of craziness to walk back into the city to do something like this. A city that had lied about them, a city that sought to kill them, a city that actually had stoned them and even pursued them down, from Iconium down to Lystra. And now they were returning to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. 
because they wanted, they were determined to build up that church and they were not about to, to desert that church. That's the determination of a vision. Sometimes we are tempted too quickly to give up on the things that God has called us to do. Whether it is teaching a class, leading a group, serving in your office as a witness, not just as a career, but as a witness. Paul and Barnabas knew that what seeds they had sown, they had to cultivate and build a church. And so they went back to these cities and strengthened the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. In the later chapter, there's a story, there's an there's introduction of Timothy. Timothy became like a son to Paul. In Paul's worst days, Timothy was always with him or coming in, moving in and out, taking caring for his needs. Timothy came from Lystra, that little city that had persecuted and chased Paul and Barnabas, where they went back to continue to build that church. Determination to finish that job. And the last words that Paul and Barnabas gave to this church was this, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. They didn't preach a message of an easiness and ease in, in ministry if we followed God. They first said, if you want to continue in the Lord, if you want to be with God, to serve God, there will be hardships. And I have a word to say to our young adults especially. Sometimes you're afraid of being in leadership, in serving, because there's too much pain, too much trouble, sometimes too much persecution. But know this, that as you walk into the kingdom of God, this is what you will experience. Sometimes lies against you, sometimes rejection, sometimes temptations to, to be honoured. But you need to remember the mission that God has given to you, that you are light to the place where you have been called. Your job is not just to get promotions and get bigger, higher and higher up. You have been commissioned by God to serve in the areas that He places you. There will be many temptations, there will be rejections. Perseverance to follow as God leads you. The way to the kingdom of God is through many tribulations. Let us pray. Father, we ask that you disabuse us of this idea that whenever we follow your way, things will go easy. Rather, give us that resilience, give us that grit, give us that determination to walk in your way. We ask, Lord, that you give, make us single-minded in our following you. That whether it is the bad things happen, that lies are told about us, that rejection is the order of the day, or whether it is prosperity and fame, fortune that tempts us, that leads us astray. 
We ask, Lord, that you keep us single-minded and focused on following you and walking in your way and believing that miracles will happen along the way. That even as we go forth and many often persevere in our work, despite difficulties, you will lead us and you will bring fruit to our labour. I pray especially for those who are now going through a very difficult time, perhaps at their work where their work environment has been very painful. And I pray that you will walk alongside, you journey alongside each of these, my brothers and sisters. I pray for those also who continue to walk, even in their homes where there is much pain, where there are lies spoken of them. But you grant them perseverance, cause them to believe that even as they walk in these difficult times, you are with them. We pray too, Lord, especially for those who are prospering in their work, whose children are prospering in theirs as well, that you keep them very focused as well, that we are here on earth as your servants, as your agents of your grace, that we will not be turned aside neither to the right nor to the left to pursue things that do not matter, to pursue things that will harm us, that we will single-mindedly and resolutely walk in your way. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.